0: decode dear burnout fans and welcome to another episode with me dr sharon grossman today i am joined by the lovely daniela stonefield and i'll tell you a little bit about daniela so daniela is a businesswoman author and speaker she and her husband rick operate a bespoke boutique real estate group where they represent fine homes and the people who love them throughout the South Carolina low country. They live in their German short-haired pointer and company mascot, Daisy, on the beautiful coastline of Hilton Head Island. And she is here to talk to us about a topic that's actually really important, your self-worth. And if you are somebody who is in business for yourself, you're gonna want to pay attention because one of the things that I find is that when we are working for ourselves, and we need to ask for the money, we often don't feel like we're worth asking for the money, right? We're having all kinds of blocks come in. And so Daniela is here to talk to us about not just self worth, but knowing what you're worth and being able to ask for that, and then being worth what you charge. So Daniela, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us.
1: Dr. Sharon, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm very excited that we're going to talk about this. And as you said, it's a very important topic. And I don't think it's one that gets quite enough airtime. So we're hoping to change that. Absolutely. Now, how did you end up focusing
0: on this topic? I know you deal with luxury real estate. I got to imagine there's
1: some sort of a link here. Oftentimes, passion projects do. It kind of comes as a spark or as a as a light bulb moment. Oftentimes when you're just having a conversation with someone, and in my case, I was developing a talk around a childhood story that I tell um, that really is about this topic, but I had never put a name to it. And that story, I'm happy to tell it, it's very short. But essentially my my closest childhood friend, we have been the closest of friends since we were five years old. So our relationship is older than most people's marriages, (laughs) if you can believe that. And she's just the most wonderful person. But in any case, so we've known each other for such a long time. And her mother is a wonderful, wonderful woman. And she is a very talented craftsperson. And specifically, what she creates are these beautiful holiday things, you know, wreaths and things for your mantelpiece and just gorgeous stuff. Christmas is her thing. She goes all out. And every year, she has a craft show. And when we were little, we would go and kind of hang out at the craft show and, you know, pretend to sell things and help people with their drinks and those kinds of things. And it was just a wonderful time that we always look forward to. But one year, I remember looking at all of her price tags and she had these little handwritten price tags. And I thought, that seems so cheap for this. Because I remember going through places like Lazarus back in the day when that was a thing and, you know, in downtown Pittsburgh where I grew up and and walking through and seeing these beautiful wreaths, but not as beautiful as hers. And they were asking, you know, two $300 maybe. Wow, hers were double digit prices at the most. And they were extraordinarily beautiful. And I remember thinking, it was one of my first business moments, actually, I was about six or seven years old. And I remember thinking, this just doesn't seem right. I think she's undervaluing herself. I don't know how exactly I thought of it in my seven year old brain, but that, that was the upshot. So I went and I took a pocketful of those price tags. And I found the pen that she had written them with so she wouldn't notice. And I changed out all of her price tags. And just I had a zero added, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I or I, I doubled or tripled every one of her prices. Wow. And she didn't notice until the end of the show when she was counting her money. And I remember her looking at it and thinking, how did I end up with all of this? This is so much more than normal. And I haven't sold any other things. And I finally eventually told her what I did. And at first, she sort of looked at me and said, how did you do that? Why did you do that? I said, well, it weren't. And so that was really the start of this whole thing about understanding, you know, and that's lived in the back of my mind for a long time. But I think it came out more recently, because I find myself having these conversations with people with a lot of professionals across different industries, not just real estate, you mm-hmm. know, real estate's an industry where I have a friend, actually, who would correct me to say not industry, but profession, real estate is a profession where you really compete on two levels. And they're two separate levels. On the one hand, you have a segment that competes on quality and value. And on the other hand, value of services, that is. And on the other hand, you have a segment that competes on price. And that's true across industries. One of the examples that I always give is that Louis Vuitton never goes on sale because that's not their market. That's not their target. They know what they bring to the table. And so, but it's also about being worth that thing once you get there. So you can't just ask for some arbitrary amount, right? I mean, you have to actually be worth that at the end of the day. And so it's about value for value trade, and it's about identifying that value. It's sort of a long-winded, circuitous answer to your question. But that's essentially how I arrived at this, is sort of just by virtue of my interests and and realizing at some point in my professional life that that I've identified this and I have something to say about it. So
0: first of all, I love that story, because how many seven-year-olds have the insight and the guts to do what you did? Like, that's just incredible, (laughs) right? But the message there is so clear where as a child, you got it and this grown woman didn't get it, right? Like she Mm -hmm. didn't see her own value. You had to show it to her. And if that's true for her, we can imagine how many more people that's true for where we're undervaluing ourselves. So I think, you know, you're talking about really two things. You're talking about knowing what you're worth. And that's really what that story exemplifies. But there's this other side to the equation, which is being worth what you charge. And we also know the other side of the equation is that sometimes people just come up with these crazy price tags and they charge you a hell of a lot because there is this myth sometimes. I mean, I know what you said about like value and pricing, but sometimes we fall into this trap where we believe that because something costs more, it's more valuable. And sometimes people are just playing off of that and they're gonna come up with these crazy price tags and you're gonna be like, oh, well, it must be worth all this money because it's it costs a lot and then they don't deliver, right? So we wanna be watchful of that. But that's not really our focus today. So what we really wanna focus on more so, I think, is... The idea of self worth, because I think that's the bigger trap, right? And that's the thing that we have more control over. Now, there are all kinds of things that keep people in that trap of not valuing themselves. You gave this example with your story, but I'm sure that you've seen it throughout your life because you're approaching situations through this mindset of I know what I'm worth, I know what things are worth, and you're helping other people shine and see their true worth, you're also selling luxury real estate, which is something that you believe is worth a lot of money and selling it Mm -hmm. to people who can uh, appreciate that value. So as you're going through all of this, and you're noticing people's mindsets and the way that people think about themselves and their value and their worth, what are the biggest myths that you have come across that maybe you can debunk for us here today?
1: Well, I think, and let me pull up kind of what we were talking about earlier, because I think that there's this idea of your self-worth being fixed, like whatever you're born with, whatever you call it, you go through those first five or seven formative years. And you're the psychologist, you can tell me what the lineup is better than I can. But, but the way that I've sort of identified it just in observing my own life and those around me is that there's this idea that you become a sort of fixed being after a certain point or maybe even from birth depending on sort of what camp you live in and that's a much deeper conversation but i don't think that's true that's the upshot of all of this i think that you can choose to be who and what you want pretty much as often as you like and once you realize that that gives you an incredible level of freedom it it sort of creates this it creates this sort of superhuman layer around you once you really internalize that because you realize you aren't something of the accord of others, or, you know, what you what you were born into, or what you were thrust into, I mean, I will be the first to tell you, I did not grow up with much of anything. Hmm. And I say that lovingly to my family. And I don't mean it in any sort of harsh way. But I grew up with very, very little. And I did not grow up with a lot of self esteem being handed to me, I was talking quick sidebar, because it's very important for this conversation, somebody I was talking to last night at, at a real estate event, he's one of our colleagues at another company, he was saying how he has this young daughter and she's she's just lovely and she is growing up to be the most confident little thing you can imagine. But he said that one of the reasons for that is he has stood her in front of the mirror every single night since she was born. Wow. And said, Repeat after me, I am beautiful, I am intelligent, and so on down the line. And I just thought, God, what if someone had done that for me? What if someone had done that for every one of us? What if that was the cycle? Oh right? my god, I love the story. That it's incredible. And it wow. is about that self talk, because that's ultimately where it comes from this, whatever, whatever record we're playing on repeat in our heads, and we all have one, yep. whatever that is, is what we become. The power is in realizing that you can change out those records.
0: There's so many things I love about what you just said. But because we all have this record that just plays on a loop forever. And without a, us even realizing it, as you said, we become what we hear and what we believe. What this dad did for his daughter is like the most beautiful gift you can give a child. I mean, because I can tell you, that is the exception, not the rule. There are very few parents that are doing this sort of thing. And so I love that. So if you're hearing this, and you have a little girl, please think about something like this as a way of just helping priming her to prime her brain to really believe in her uniqueness and her self-worth because you know regardless of how loving we are as parents our brain is wired for negativity so the kids are growing up just comparing themselves to other kids they you know they might filter out all of the positives that we dish out and then maybe in an angry moment we say something and that's the thing they latch onto so to have some sort of consistent Thing that you do that helps boost your child's self worth is such a gift. And I love that. And I also love that, based on what you said, you're basically saying you're giving people permission to not stay where they are. And they're in this lane that they've kind of landed in, that you can actually Mm -hmm. pick a different lane and you can work on your mindset and changing your self talk so that you can get to a point where you actually have more self worth and see yourself as. A valuable human being. One of the things actually, Daniela, that I see often is that when people's self worth is tied to their productivity, this is what I call the doers. This is when they feel this compulsion to constantly have to do more and more and more. And this is why people burn out in part. Mm -hmm. So I think your message is very strongly tied to what we talk about here on the podcast, for sure.
1: Yeah. There's a lot I think to unpack. Oh, we could go on for two hours about about just what you just said in the last 3 seconds but it's true you know there's the one hand about about charging and then but i think people can get into how do i want to say this people can get into a loop if they're not thinking about this in a healthy way or maybe they're kind of new to this concept of of trying to make sure that they're you know finding that fair value whatever that is and then they feel compelled to if they see a gap between what they charge or what they want to charge and what they perceive the value of what they offer to be they're compelled to fill that gap, whether or not it's actually really there, right? So, and I've done that myself in my own business, you know, because I'm very value-driven. I believe strongly that what we bring to the table is our skills and our knowledge. You know, if I get something done smoothly and nothing went wrong, sometimes people say, gosh, you made a lot for that. No, what you just paid for is the 10 years it took me to make that painless for you, right? Exactly. And that's true for a lot of us. And so, you know, I've divorced myself, from this feeling like it needs to look like i've worked so hard right like sometimes people i think people even manufacture difficulties and obstacles if something's going really well because they think well gosh am i really worth what what i'm charging for this service or for this thing and i think it's a difficult place to be because it's hard to get out of that once you're in it or they start
0: throwing in everything but the kitchen sink to compensate for that gap and saying, okay, well, not only will I give you this, but I'll give you this and this and this and this and this and this. And And then you're just like giving everything away for that fee to just to justify it to yourself. So that definitely rings true. I think there's a lot of people who when they don't believe in their self worth, they can fall into that trap. And that's dangerous because then you're over giving and then you're in a different way devaluing yourself.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and that's true. And we talked about this a little bit before too. It, it's that balance. It's, you know, knowing what you're worth and actually being worth that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but that's a balance because like you said, you can you can knock that out of balance. You can charge too much for too little, but you can charge too little for too much. And absolutely. that yeah, that's really important too. Like not to necessarily to bring it into real estate, but of course that's that's where I'm coming from from the business world and We see this particularly in, you know, in homes that have been priced really, really low, because the client just wants to get out. This is not particularly a practice that we that we favor, but you know, ultimately, you have to do what what your client wants you to do. And the first question you get is, "Well, what's wrong with it? Yeah, why is it so cheap? Yeah, like there's this idea that you're just going to get thirty offers. Exactly, but it's not because you can be too cheap. Something can be too inexpensive. For people to trust that it has the value that's being suggested that it has.
0: Yeah, I think even that question of what's wrong with it Mm -hmm. suggests that in our minds, we're always making those comparisons. And if there's a market rate for things and something is below market, we're like, okay, I don't know what it is. Pictures look great. Like, this looks like a great location. Mm -hmm. There's got to be something off. Otherwise, why would they market it at that price? And if that's true for real estate, it's true for our services as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's true across all you know all professions and industries. Anything that's that's been commoditized that has a market price, as you say, you can price too high, but you can also price too low. Yeah, good idea. All right, cool. So, what else you got? What other myths do you see out there that we need to debunk? Well, you know, we're sort of parlaying the the charging conversation into self worth in general, and this idea that your self worth. And I love this conversation, by the way. But your, your self-worth is somehow tied to how much you make, what kind of a car you drive, you know, what kind mm-hmm. of material success have you experienced? Gosh, there's so much we could talk about about this particular conversation. But I, I think to answer the question, I would say that you don't have to fall into that. You know, we live in a very materialistic society. And I, by the way, I love my nice things. I mean, I am absolutely, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm high maintenance, but I maintain me, right? So <laughs> that's the thing. But you know, I, I do love certain things. I have I have a few set things that I'll spend money on. You know, I I love books. I am a huge book collector. Mm. I love cars. I love clothing. Like there are certain things that I just love because I love fashion. I love the art of self representation and those kinds of things. But I love those things because I love them. Yeah. You know, I don't wear. You know, I don't know. Call it a Versace belt, just just as an example. I don't wear that because I want you to see me wearing it. If I wear it, it's because the craftsmanship is exceptional and I value that thing. And so I'm not here to prove anything to you. And that's another kind of layer of that freedom that comes from mm-hmm. from casting off the shackles of, of all of this, this stuff that we've been talking about. You get to realize exactly what you care about. And if you like fine things, great. If you don't, also great, right? It's about what you want. And that's where true self-worth comes from because it's worth of the self and only yourself can determine that. There's no possible exterior being, and it doesn't matter how close they are to you. It could be friends or family. It could be a spouse. That person does not have the capacity, and it is not fair to ask them to define your self-worth. You are the only person that can do that.
0: And again, I think you're giving people permission to be authentically themselves here when you say that whatever it is that you're going to spend your money on, even if it's flashy, you do it because it is for you, not because Mm -hmm. you're trying to impress somebody else. It's not about the impression. It's about how do you feel when you're in that sports car? How do you feel when you're wearing that Versace dress or whatever it is? You know, Mm -hmm. it's about like, if it makes you feel good, listen, money is energy, right? And we eat, we all make decisions about how we want to spend it. And sometimes if we're spending it to impress other people, we are wasting all of this energy that we have, because it feeds into this thing of, I need that validation from outside, and then you're still not in a place of self worth. So, you know, we try to create this persona, we try to show up in the world in a certain way, so that people will think of us in all kinds of ways. And ultimately, it's about being yourself. And if being you means driving a sports car or wearing a Versace dress, that's fine. But you're doing it for a different reason. And that's what internally counts when we're talking about self worth. So I, I really hope people are hearing this because it's this really important.
1: Exactly. And and you know, and likewise, my, my truly happiest place, by the way, is in waders in a river somewhere in Colorado fly fishing with my husband, like that's, that's actually where I'm happiest. So but that's the thing. And this actually, this parlays into something that's interesting too, because talking about that self-worth piece, you can't value yourself if you don't know who yourself is. So you have to know yourself before you can put a value, your self-worth on what those things are. And of course, that, that can and should evolve all throughout your life. But being aware of who that person is and that it's in the direction that you want it to be, these things should not be at odds. And I understand it's much easier said than done. But if you're feeling that dissonance and that tug and pull, I think that's your set point. You know, So if people are looking for a place to start, that's really it because you can't determine your self-worth until you know who yourself is. And all of this really wraps into this beautiful, involved, but beautiful nonetheless package because you have to know yourself in order to be able to value and have a self-worth. You can't be what you are to anyone else, like in the marketplace, for example, until you are who you are to yourself and to the rest of the world and you're showing up as an authentic person. So that leads into you know back into the whole conversation about charging and a- acting in the economy for whatever it is that you're providing to the world because those things have to be in place for you to be a self-actualized human who is trading with others and finding that value. So it really does all it's a long thread but it's it's very much connected.
0: I want to come back to what you said about dissonance because I think this is the thing to pay attention to we all have a point where we have our kind of comfort zone and then we get to we get to a point where we're crossing the line and the way that you know that where you need to kind of push yourself is where you feel that resistance where you feel like a little discomfort you know you're kind of questioning and i'll give an example of that from my life just to make it clear right Sometimes, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm lazy. I don't want to really like get all dressed up and get my hair done and do my makeup. Like I'm a pretty easygoing, down to earth person. So like for me, it's like, Oh, you know, I got to do all this stuff, but then I look at other people who really respect themselves and how they show up. And to me, I feel like if you are somebody who values yourself, it's also about showing up where you're exemplifying that sense of self where you're saying you know what i i took the time to do all this not because i want to impress anybody but because it's a demonstration of my belief in my value right in the same way that if you've got a piece of real estate a luxury piece of real estate, what do we do when we're selling it? We stage it. We make it Mm -hmm. so amazing, right? Because we're saying this is really valuable. We want to show you what the possibilities are. Yeah, we could show it to you like empty, without furniture, without decoration. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something to be said for really showing up as your best self. And I I think that's an important thing where, you know, there is that fine line. And I wasn't always where I am today. There were times when I was in my 20s And I would just like show up with like a t-shirt and no makeup. And I was kind of a hot mess. Right. And I had a mentor who kind of took me aside and she kind of hinted to me that, you know, I need to step up my game. And I have to tell you, Daniela, she was very subtle, but like that message hit such a chord inside of me that I crumbled. Like I went home and I cried. Because there was that thing inside of me that I still needed to tackle, right? You talked about how like you came from not a lot. And in a very similar way, I felt that as a child too. Right. And so I had my own struggles and and it showed in the way that I was showing up. And when I had that interchange with her, something switched for me where I was like, I got to face this, like, I got to do something about this, I got to step my game up. And I think for anybody who's listening to this, if you feel like there's that resistance, that dissonance that you talked about, that's the thing for you to work on next. Definitely. And, and one and way that to feeling, oh,
1: yeah. sorry,
0: sorry, I was just gonna say, and one way to really do this, if you if you aren't sure kind of where to go next, is to, to think about somebody who you perceive uh, that they value themselves. So like I look at you, Daniela, and if you're not watching us on YouTube, you can come and watch and see how amazing Daniela looks. But you know, you... (laughs) Thank uh, you. you,
1: you.
0: Find somebody who you're like, yeah, that person definitely values themselves. I can see that, right? Find that person and use that as a role model and then ask yourself, like, how far is the gap between where the way I'm showing up and the way they're showing up? And then you find that resistance point and then work through that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and I would even add to that too, from my own experience, because this is actually one of the topics that I that I talk particularly with young girls about, because this is You know, young young people in general deal with this, but it's particularly pervasive on the female side of things because of all the narratives that we're taught and all the things that we grow up with. And in contrast to what what my colleague and, and his daughter, that story from earlier, I was taught essentially, whether on purpose or just through osmosis, that you had to pick one. If you were lucky enough to have one of them, you had to pick one. You couldn't be beautiful and smart and strong you had Mm. to pick one. Mm. And it took me a long time to unravel that and decide that I didn't really like that choice. I didn't like the fact that I was given a choice. And I felt like I was suppressing parts of myself in the attempt to choose. Mm. And that takes an incredible amount of self-awareness that a lot of people, I don't want to say they don't have it. I think we all have the capacity to do it. It's just a question of, does that glimmer ever happen where That seal is broken and then you can't really look back. You can't help but go down the rabbit hole, right? And that's a great opportunity. And as you were saying that, that moment of resistance, I would also challenge our listeners or or viewers, if it's on YouTube, if you look at someone who you see as whatever you perceive as kind of being all together, what Dr. Sharon was just talking about, how do you react to them? Is your reaction positive or is it negative? Mm. And if it's anything but purely positive, I would invite you and encourage you to really try and tap in and understand why you had that reaction. So because good. that's probably the basis of how you see this and why it's keeping you from doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, it could be jealousy. It could be all kinds of negative self-talk, limiting yeah. beliefs and things like that. So good.
1: And who that. wants to live with that? But yet so many of us do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it comes from a
0: place of, I can't have that. Mm-hmm. I can't be that. And why not? Exactly. Why
1: not? Exactly. Why can't you? And that's the basis of all the questions that, I, that I've that i always asked myself. People say, you can't do this, or you shouldn't, or this or that. Why not? You know, I think that's something
0: that you and I have in common, because when I was growing up, my sister was like the smart one, and I was the beautiful one, right? Mm-hmm. And so my dad was like, your sister's going to be a doctor. And then he's like, and you, you know, worst case scenario, you'll be like cutting hair. Yeah. Go to school and get your MRS. <laughs> right? And so... <laughs> that did not sit well with me. I can imagine. I was like, you know, with no disrespect to anybody in the beauty industry, I think like there's more to me than than that. Like I I definitely was like, I'm going to pursue advanced studies and, you know, do what I think I can do and what I want to do. And it wasn't easy. Like my sister has it a lot easier from an academic perspective. Like it just comes naturally to her. I had to work hard, but I was determined, right? And I wasn't going to let anybody tell me that I couldn't, right? So Mm -hmm. sometimes that also happens where somebody tells you you can't, and you're like, Oh, yeah,
1: exactly. And really, that's a gift, you know, if you have that reaction, but it's, it can backfire, you know, and it's not even that the person who's saying that to you has that, you know, they're not, they don't see themselves as Yoda in this scenario, (laughs) you know, they don't necessarily know that they are doing this reverse psychology on you. But when it happens that way, it's a gift. But when it doesn't, it can be very, very jarring. And, and you mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's possible that you, you can have a wonderful relationship with someone and maybe even a very supportive relationship. But if that person, particularly somebody that you really value what they say and think, if that person gives you negative feedback, and it's just at the wrong moment, or it's about, you know, it's about just the wrong thing, maybe it's something that you already have a sensitivity about. That can stick with you for the rest of your life in a way that no positive affirmation often ever can. And that can become ingrained into your identity. And I, I say this from a place of knowing I have experienced this in my life. There are things mm-hmm. that people said to me when I was 12 and 13 that I remember verbatim to this day. I could probably, dr- I'm very visual. I could probably draw that person's face in that moment for you right now.
0: Wow. Yeah. These things do stick. So, so far we've debunked that self worth is fixed and can't be changed, that Mm -hmm. it's tied to external achievements, Mm -hmm. possessions, things like that. Any other myths that you can debunk
1: for us? You know, I think that I want to be careful. It's not so much a myth, but I want to be careful in this conversation. For anybody for whom this conversation is a little bit newer, and maybe this is new territory, I want to be careful that it doesn't sound like I'm coming from sort of a binary place of Everything needs to come from within you and absolutely no value comes from without because that's not true. It's just about understanding where those boundaries are Mm -hmm. and where healthy input is, can be valuable through your lens of self worth. And so that I just want to make sure that we, that we touch on a little bit because it is important to value, you know, the people in your life that you love and, and what they think. And as you mentioned before, you know, showing up in, in a t-shirt versus showing up, you know, however your version of yourself is. That does have an external component and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just that that's not the wellspring of where that self-worth should come from. That, that lives in here to show up to the rest of the world. You know, we don't live in a vacuum. We're social creatures and we live in a society. And so you are not exempt from people's thoughts and judgments about you, but you do have some level of control over them. So if you want people to see you a certain way, I'm trying to say this succinctly, but It's not about, we'll go back to the Versace dress. You're not wearing it for them. You're wearing it because that's how you see yourself. And you want to reflect that into the world such that that is what they then consume when they perceive you. That's the way to think about it. Okay. So in other words, your
0: third myth is?
1: It's not all from the exterior, but it's also not all from the interior. I think that's the way to think about it. There's a healthy boundary there. It's about understanding where it needs to originate and then allowing for input to come through that lens.
0: Okay, that's an important message that things aren't so black and white. And it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And maybe just do a little bit of a self assessment and see, are you too much in one bucket versus the other? And how can you be more integrated, perhaps?
1: Exactly. And I would even add too, just to get back to sort of the initial conversation that we were having in terms of you know, how you operate in the marketplace and, and charging for for what you do or what you, what you bring. A lot of this comes from the psychology of people's relationship with money. Yeah. So there's a self-worth component, and then there's a monetary worth component and the relationship to money. And that's something else that oftentimes is very cyclical. However, you're taught to view money. For most of us, that sticks that becomes how we see it and a lot of times that sort of slimy feeling of sales like people hate the word the idea of sales and they see businessmen as the you know the monopoly man that's here to take over everything and just sweep in and 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 clean up that is a very unhealthy way to view finance and that also plays into this because if you're talking about charging money our currency value for value for what it is that you provide you've got to get right with that because you're never going to feel good about that if you don't create a healthy relationship. So we've started with yourself. Once you've got that dialed in, then it's a healthy relationship with, with money. Because no matter what we do, we're all in sales to some extent. That's just Absolutely. the nature of being in business, right? Absolutely. That's not a bad thing. It's not <laughs> you know It's not something that you have to try and talk yourself into being okay with. Sales is a beautiful thing if it's done correctly. Because what it means is that you've been able to identify something that someone needs or wants that you have the unique ability to provide for them. That's a wonderful thing. So it's, again, that's that reframing though. And once you get all that dialed in, I challenge anyone to really have that dialed in and not feel fantastic about their value proposition and have any trouble whatsoever asking for what they believe that they're worth. And I get—I bet they won't get any pushback either.
0: Yeah, so I think some of us have some work to do.
1: So I I know I do. This is a this is a work in progress, but it's one of the reasons that I I've been able to identify these things is because mm-hmm. I am I'm in this every day and I came from, you know, and again, it's nothing against, you know, blue collar growing up. That's, you know, you get a lot of wonderful lessons from that as well. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, one of the lessons that is very common in that group is that money is the root of all evil. And that, you know, it's it's a bad thing to want it. And, you know, there's this idea of the virtue of giving the shirt off your back. And yes. I won't go into where all of that comes from. That's a whole other conversation. But the fact that, we're, that we internalize these things, it creates this, this dynamic in our brain of charging for something is kind of gross. And so we want to charge as little as possible, just like we downplay ourselves as humans, as our person, we downplay our worth by charging less because that's the denomination. So that's the thing I'm trying to get people to break out of.
0: So if you're listening to this and you're or you're watching us, clearly over the last half hour or so, I think you've gotten the idea that Daniela is very passionate about the subject. And she's got a lot of really great content around this. And I think this would be a fantastic keynote for any conference especially a woman's conference. Anybody who really needs that boost from within who's struggling with their self-worth because what we've already said is that when that struggle is real, people are more likely to burn out. So this is important. So Daniela, if someone
1: is interested potentially in following up with you, where should they go? Well, they can get in touch with me, my email. I'm just gonna give you my email address. It's Stonefield at gmail.com. My website currently is under construction, but as soon as that is available, it will be daniellastonefield.com. So that will be the place to find me. And then of course, on social media across the board, I'm at Daniella Stonefield. Daniela with two L's, Stonefield. Okay. So we will
0: have that in the show notes. If you're driving or you don't have access to writing things down, don't worry, just go to the show notes. It'll all be there. You can connect easily with Daniela, And I sincerely hope that you consider hiring her because she's a fantastic speaker, as you can see, and very poised as well. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you are a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review, telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com. I'll see you right back here next week. Bye, everybody.